as always, we'll, we'll of course talk Raw, Main Event, NXT, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, and so much more. But before we delve into this week's hot topics, remember we are live. We are live all over Blog Talk, Blog Talk Radio at the moment, so that means you can interact with the show at any time by calling 760-888-5749 or tweeting me directly at Wrestling Outbreak, and I will read and discuss your tweet live on the PWP Airways. That was a new intro, by the way, guys. I'm not exactly sure if you could hear me. I hope you could hear me um, over to Curtis Axel's theme song. I think it's kind of appropriate, kind of something to mix things up here at Wrestling's Week that was. But how was everyone's week? Was it good? Was it stressful? Me personally, my week has been crazy. If you have not even stepped onto PWP.com, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com in the last week, I don't know where you have been, girls and boys. You might got to go up there and check all the amazing content, the articles. We have had an incredible week uh, with so much content on the, on the site Monday all the way up till today, Saturday if you're in the States, Sunday if you're in Australia or New Zealand. Just a crazy, crazy week with a lot of news uh, contributors, uh, you know, your favorites giving us all this new content. Guys, go up there and check it out. We've got a lot of new writers and a lot of new content, so go, go up there and check it out, guys. I've already said it before. Do it. Um, but thank you very much for Jay Aletta for giving me uh, the more responsibility in regards to being a co-editor of uh, com. I really do appreciate it. I really do appreciate the uh, vote and confidence that he uh, is still on me and uh, Aaron Ramadoff as well. So uh, I hope... My, game, my goal is to make the site better for you wrestling fans. So if you've got any ideas of how to improve it, if there's things you like, if there's things you don't, send me a tweet at Wrestling R Break, capital W, capital R, capital B, and I will definitely consider it when we're trying to make the ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com the best pro wrestling news and uh, analytical article site on the internet. Um, so the, let's get into the top news of the week, guys. There's so much news going on right now. Obviously, the biggest news story coming out of the week is that Plan C went into effect last Monday night on on Raw. Brock Lesnar facing John Cena, the the worst kept secret in WWE at the moment, is official for SummerSlam. Regardless of it being uh, predictable and everyone knowing that that was the main event of SummerSlam. The moment where Brock Lesnar came out on Raw was still a goosebumps-ridden uh, segment for myself. I just got goosebumps. It was awesome. Every time you see Brock Lesnar come out after a big hiatus, it always feels like a big, a big deal. So uh, kudos to Brock Lesnar for making me feel like that. And kudos for Paul Heyman for de- delivering that masterful uh, hype-up promo that he delivered on Monday Night Raw. But, of course, we'll get into that as the show goes on. This match and the outcome of this match is the way to go for WWE uh, going into mid-2014. Uh, right now, the main event picture is stale. We've got Randy Orton, we've got John Cena, we've got Kane. I mean, R- Roman Reigns has been thrown into the mix, but to be honest, Roman Reigns, is, he's good, but he's nowhere near ready to take that next step into WWE megastardom. Um, and having Brock Lesnar as the WWE champion just opens up so many different options and, and possibilities for matches down the line. I mean, everyone's everyone's kind of uh, shitting on the fact that we're going to get Cena versus Brock again. But uh, for those who remember, last time Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, it was one of the most incredible uh, drama-ridden matches in, in, recent, me- in recent memory. Uh, I don't think that this match is going to be any different come SummerSlam, so everything's looking up as far as I'm concerned in regards to Brock Lesnar. Hopefully, they stick to their plan and he becomes the WWE World Heavyweight Champion come SummerSlam. But, you know, anything can happen. They could change. They could throw in a swerve ball, but let's just see. Uh, In other news, of course, as I said at the start of the show, Sting made his first appearance in a a WWE event for uh, for for Comic-Con. Uh, his uh, figurine was released in the uh, lineup uh, at Comic Con, and of course he was there as the surprise attendant. Huge reaction! There's videos all over the internet and YouTube. Uh, it seemed like a really cool, really, really, really cool event. Sting looks great. I mean, it's the one, the one thing about Sting is that he's got all that face paint, so he could be 60 years old and still look amazing. Like just look at the great Muto last uh, last uh, Thursday night in TNA. I mean, that mask is awesome, and he looks—he well, doesn't even look like. 
80 years old, or however old he is. So, um, what's next for Sting, ladies and gentlemen? That is the question that's on everyone's mind. Um, I've seen multiple interviews from IGN to Pro Wrestling Syndicate and all these other all these other wrestling uh, interviewers. But the the one major theme that I have is that he keeps mentioning the Undertaker. I got I'm gonna put my money on it right now. It's gonna be the Undertaker versus Sting at WrestleMania 31. Uh, the travel packages go on sale, I think, in the, in the next month or so for WrestleMania. I guarantee you, you should put your money in there right now and get a, a travel package to go to Texas next next year for WrestleMania. I think Taker and Sting is going to happen. And, you know, like, Sting only, only wants one more match, and what, what better way to have his one more match than be at WrestleMania 31 against The Undertaker? I'm going to submit myself to all the, uh, all the internet uh, rumors and fandom, and I'm going to go with it on this one. Sting vs. The Undertaker, WrestleMania 31. You heard it first on Wrestling's Week. That was. In the last 24 hours, I think one of the top news stories was that uh, Daniel Bryan stopped a, uh, a group of burglars trying to break into his house. Um, it's, it's gone viral over the internet in the last 24 hours. And uh, uh, apparently he came home uh, from doing a lot of Comic-Con publicity and he came home with Brie Bella and found two people trying to break into his house. He was able to apprehend and detain one of them until cops arrived on the scene. Oh my god, like you just kind of hope, the selfish wrestling fan of myself just says, just, I hope to god he doesn't hurt himself in the meantime. You know, this guy's going through a lot of health issues. Um, and, and while it's very heroic and I'm glad he got into the news and it's great to have one of WWE's top stars doing something heroic outside the ring, um, his health situation uh, was uh, revealed slightly more in an interview um, that was uh, publicised on Wrestling's, uh, sorry, Wrestling's, uh, WrestlingObserver.com that I just kept, that, that I just caught up with. Apparently, and I quote, he says he said that his original surgery was a compression of the ulnar nerve at the back, at the back of his neck between the C6 and C7 vertebrae, as well as to remove bone spurs in his spinal cord. But at the time, they didn't realize that uh, they didn't realize the nerve was also compressed at his right elbow. He said that even now he has half the strength in his right arm as he as he does in his left arm. He's, he didn't say more than the second surgery will lengthen his recovery time. Again, his recovery time is completely open for for interpretation. That's not good for Daniel Bryan. Uh, what a bad string of luck for for one of the brightest WWE uh, stars uh, that, they, that they can't really have. I just hope that uh, he's able to recover quickly, safely, and come back when he's 100%. Not 90%, not 80%, but 100%. Because uh, you, don't want, uh, you don't want Daniel Bryan injuring himself and, and, and ending his career uh, on a very short note. So... Get well soon, Daniel Bryan. We're all thinking of you. I mean, last Monday night on Raw, there was a great reaction when he was mentioned, and that, that you know, that, that I think the Brie Bella storyline is a really smart way uh, for WWE to keep Daniel Bryan in the general psyche of the fans, and uh, I expect to see him on, see him on television leading into SummerSlam. Um, Jim Rock, Jim Ross's uh, contract expired this week. Uh, just behind the scenes, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, he just tweeted that it was a great 20-year run with, with the company. Uh, of course, uh, uh, if you've been living on a rock for the last like two, three months, uh, Jim Ross has a very, very insightful, uh, incredible uh, podcast on Podcast One called The Ross Report. So I don't think that uh, Jim Ross is going to be uh, short of any uh, career options leaving WWE. Um, he's already had a stint in... Uh, Boxing announcing. Uh, he seems like he sounds like he's always in talks with Dana White and UFC. So expect maybe something like that on the horizon. Uh, if you if you're a wrestling fan, a true wrestling fan, you've got to be listening to the Ross Report once a week. Um, I'll get into the reasons why as we get into the podcast of the week portion of the show later on. Um, so we, the impact ratings. They continue to rise little by little every week. Obviously, these New York taping shows have uh, created a bit of a buzz with the company. Uh, even though I didn't particularly like the show this week, uh, it, got, it got over 1.2 million viewers. And that's the best number since uh, uh, mid-February. So it's great to see. You know, uh, the better the competition is, the more eyes on the competition, 
the better the industry is. And uh, I'm all for uh, more people watching TNA and hopefully sticking with the company and boosting it a bit. And I'm sure uh, TNA spent a lot of money putting on the uh, NYC shows uh, a few weeks ago. So I'm glad to see it's paying off in regards to the ratings. Um, RVD. Everyone's kind of wondering where RVD was uh, following the Battleground pay-per-view. Um, a word on the street says that he had some uh, medical issues that haven't been uh, uh, given out to the public yet. Um, hopefully he's alright. Um, he seemed fine leading up to Battleground, but uh, he's hoping that RVD is okay going into next week. Uh, also, another man that missed television following Battleground was uh, Seamus. Seamus is off TV this week due to a severe cold, and uh, hopefully he'll be, he'll be back on the road come uh, next Monday night on Raw. Of course, if you're talking about media backlash, there's been tons of media backlash in regards to Lana and Rusev uh, following, backlash, uh, following Battleground as well. Um, of course, Vince McMahon loves a, a little bit of publicity here and there, even if it's negative, and there's been a ton of negative publicity in regards to Lana's promo in which she uh, indirectly uh, uh, referenced the uh, uh, tragedy in, in, on, on the Malaysian Airline uh, situation. Uh, that's... Anytime you bring in real tragedy into pro wrestling, I think you kind of just really push the envelope. I'm all fine with doing something controversial, uh, you know, like politically uh, uh, charged storylines, but when you're talking about the loss of life in regards to the Malaysian air aircraft disaster, that's, that's a no-go zone um, in, regard in regards to how I feel about pro wrestling. I'm all for AGTV. But when, like, 80 children perished on that flight due to someone's, uh, someone's, you know, someone's, they didn't, you know, it's, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So I just, I think that, like, when, when you have such a loss of life involved in this incident, it shouldn't, be, shouldn't even be mentioned on a WWE television. So, um, and of course, to finish up with the news of the week, Punk apparently went on record uh, this week in an interview that went viral all over YouTube saying that he is definitely gone from WWE. Now, of course, I think a lot of people didn't even uh, watch the interview. If you watch the interview, you'd know that Punk was kind of taking the shit out of uh, saying that he would never, ever, 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 ever go back to WWE. Uh, watch the interview, guys and girls. It's, uh, it's, it's all over the place. You'll be able to tell that I don't think he's actually never, ever, ever going back to WWE. He's, you know, like, he's taking the shit out of it because he knew that everyone was going to run with it. And, hey, I'm talking about it, so is a lot of other people. So that says a lot about that situation here. So let's go into our Battleground review. I'm just going to go short and sweet with this one. Um, there's tons of Battleground reviews out there. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to take a uh, page out of Oliver Norgrove, one of our PWP.com writers, and I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, and tell you, what did we learn from Battleground uh, this year in 2014? The show was a, a solid wrestling-heavy event that wasn't groundbreaking, but, it, you know, it still had its moments. Um, but, number one, what did we learn from the pay-per-view? Providing a non-finish to particular matches works for the long term. And of course, I'm referring to Ambrose versus Rollins. The big controversy coming out of the event was that uh, the Ambrose versus Rollins match didn't happen. Instead, we got three intense, awesome pull-apart brawls that uh, I think just extended the issue between these two. Uh, I've written about it extensively. Go check it up on uh, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com uh, in my article, Ambrose versus, versus Rollins, The Power of the Slow Burn. Now, like, this is just burning towards SummerSlam. We're going to get an amazing payoff in an awesome, brutal match. And uh, not having the match at, at Battleground, I think, just did so much more for telling the story. I mean, these guys can't even hold themselves in, in, in a one-on-one -on -one match, let alone, you know, anything else. Uh, having everyone involved, just the agents, the Triple H, all the referees, it just made it such a big, big freaking deal that these guys can't control each other themselves around each other. I, I just absolutely loved it. It was the highlight of the show for me. Uh, I... You know, not having the payoff straight away is going to div pay dividends for the uh, eventual payoff, which will probably be happening at, some, happening at SummerSlam. So everyone just, as I usually say, every week, 
Um, tag t- what else did we learn? Tag team wrestling is alive and well, well especially if you watch that Usos versus uh, Wyatt's battle at Battleground to open up the show. That was incredible. I go, you know, four, four and a half, four or three quarter star match. Just completely over delivered in the opening in the opening segment. If anything, it kind of hurt the show because nothing could compare compared to it all the way through. And I think that's why a lot of people are pissed off that they didn't get to see a Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose match because, really, on paper, that was would be the only match to compete against uh, the Usos versus the Whites. Uh, just a, a well built match. It just caught on fire with the live crowd. They ate up every near fall, and those near falls. If anyone wants to study like great near falls in wrestling, check out the, the near falls that were in the Whites and Usos match. It just you just thought it was the finish, and they, they kept going back and coming back. Great, great stuff. What else did we learn? Jericho won the battle, but he didn't win the war, guys and girls. I have had so many people message me about, oh, this is Bray Wyatt lost, and Jericho, Jericho deserved it, and yeah, Jericho didn't deserve to win, blah, blah, blah. Guys, just, these guys are going to be wrestling all over the summer. They're going to be wrestling, they wrestle at Battleground, they're going to be wrestling at SummerSlam. Most likely, they're going to be wrestling at the next pay-per-view. So just, they're telling a story here. And I think they extended the story nicely with the Bray Wyatt promo that we saw on Raw, saying that, you know, a battle doesn't mean very much to me, but the war does. And of course, we had Bray Wyatt destroying backstage, uh, Chris Jericho. Plus, the match was fine. Did anyone, like, absolutely hate the match as, uh, like, like everyone else on the internet, did it, did everyone hate it? I thought the I thought their first encounter was just a great, solid wrestling match. It told a good story. It built nicely. There was no there was no real botches to speak of. It was hard hitting. What more do you want from a pro wrestling match? I'm very surprised the reaction it got online. Um, I thought it was a really solid battle. Um, in regards to check, what, what to check out in the pay per view, definitely the Wyatts versus the Usos, and the Rollins versus Ambrose Insanity. Um, guys, I'll publicize right now very briefly where I get all my pay-per-views from. I don't pay for my pay-per-views. Um, I get to watch everything on the WWE Network via bollyrules.net. Bollyrules.net. Uh, ch- put it into Google's uh, search engine. It's the first one that comes up. Um, you can get every single WWE show streamed um, over this website. It's a great website. Go check it out. Bollyrules.net. Okay, so let's move into Raw, the Raw Freak three count review. This is where I just pull out three major uh, points from the show. Uh, it's, you know, three hours, three points. I think that's the only fair way to go. Um, but, so the, this show, it was another show helped tremendously by the live crowd, and it was helped along nicely by two must-see segments that set up SummerSlam very, very nicely. So uh, point number one, WWE's worst-kept secret... Uh, puts in everyone impressed me for the title match at SummerSlam storyline in pointless territory. What do I mean by that? Triple H started, this, started the show by going, I want this, this show to be about people proving that they belonged in the WWE Championship match at SummerSlam. It's like, we already know that Brock Lesnar is the man like to go ahead and wrestle uh John Cena at SummerSlam. Um, they they try to put a swerve in there by Triple H stupidly kind of choosing Orton to face Cena at SummerSlam. Kind of just diminished uh, Triple H's credibility there. It's like, mate, you've used Orton however many times since WrestleMania. It hasn't worked. It's kind of dumb. But anyway, um, this kind of shows the the downside of uh, uh, of social media. Um, Oliver Norgrove, in one of his first articles for ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, Oliver's getting a lot of plugs on this show, um, uh, on his first article for ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, uh, he talked about the, uh, the downside of social media in, uh, in ruining the surprises that WWE tried to give their audiences. Now, of course, not every uh, audience member is attached to their computer, like some of us here in, pro- in the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse community, but, you know, it it does bring up a good point about the Brock Lesnar surprise would be great if we didn't have such, we weren't so easily access to information about it. Uh, of course, the, the, the SummerSlam poster was leaked. Um, it did, you know, the minute it was leaked, it was, it was common knowledge that Brock Lesnar was going to be facing Cena. So it ruined the surprise for Raw. Um, 
you know, Vince holds his course and does it anyway and doesn't uh, pay attention to social media in regards to no news. But, you know, it just kind of shows you that if we didn't have social media, the Brock Lesnar surprise for this show would have been even more of a big deal. So we, are, we do, definitely do live in a different era from uh, when I was a child back in 1998. <laughs> um, I never thought I'd say this, but the Divas owned uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, besides the Brock Lesnar announcement. And of course, uh, the Divas segments. The two Divas segments that really stood out for me the, was uh, was uh, the Stephanie McMahon-Bree Bella situation in which Stephanie McMahon huh, was just a, a, a tremendous heel. And of course, then we had the uh, Page versus AJ Lee uh, uh, heel turn, uh, which was, uh, I thought, very, very well done. But we'll just very quickly get into the Stephanie McMahon-Bree Bella situation. Um, this is just one, another example of slow-burning pr- uh, television pr- uh, programming that WWE is doing right now, and I guarantee it's going to pay off. It's paying, it's paying off right now. Fans are into Brie Bellow versus Stephanie McMahon. Now, of course, on paper, when this first started, who would have thought? But now, they're starting to build very nicely towards the payoff. I mean, they just that this angle that they shot with uh, Stephanie McMahon uh, attacking Brie Bellow as a fan, and then Brie Bellow coming back to arrest... Uh, Stephanie McMahon was so well received live, and you know what? That's what made it for me. Those fans were going ballistic for Stephanie McMahon getting uh, shipped away to jail, and Stephanie through this whole thing from the from the from the Nikki Bella forum one handicap match to the time that she attacked Bree to the time that she was arrested it was stellar. I'm like, oh, it's incredible. Such a great performance by Stephanie. She's been great all year, and this is just the culmination. She is holding this storyline together just purely by herself. And uh, I, I hope a lot of the divas involved learn a lot from Stephanie's uh, delivery uh, on, on air, because she's just incredible. She was incredible this week. And, of course, then we had the AJ Lee uh, page turn. Excuse the pun. <laughs> um, I really, really liked it. I thought that Brie Bella... Sorry, Brie Bella. Uh, page just felt so much more comfortable in this role as the angry, crazy, crazy heel. We do have a lot of crazy diva heels at the moment in WWE, but hopefully uh, Paige can find her niche in this uh, department. And I thought she did a really good job. And she, they really did a great job of making this a brutal uh, turn. She beat the shit out of uh, AJ, and I'm always for a massive heel beatdown at the end of a storyline or at the end of a turn. So all, all thumbs up in this regard. And the final point is, Heyman is the master of the pay, of the pay-per-view plug. Like, if you do one thing or have any time have a chance to only watch one thing on Raw this week, go check out Paul Heyman's final promo at the end of the show, hyping up uh, Brock Lesnar's fight with Cena. This man is just he, he he comes across as someone that just goes home and just sits in front of a computer and just creates the quintessential pro wrestling promo. But we, we all know that he's just doing it off the fly. It's, he's just a masterful, masterful uh, performer and easily one of my favorite uh, things about pro wrestling right now. Um, and by the way, Chick Plug, go check out his DVD that's coming out in uh, early August. Uh, uh, my name is Paul Heyman, being uh, released by WWE. That is going to be a must-see DVD for all pro wrestling fans. Uh, he's, just, he's just incredible, guys. Why Cesaro couldn't still be uh, associated with uh, Heyman is beyond me. Uh, maybe they they don't want to d- divide Heyman's focus and make him fully on Brock, but poor Cesaro. I've got a pro wrestling powerhouse article coming up next week talking about my disdain for the way WWE has treated poor old Cesaro. Uh, what's worth catching on Raw this week? The final segment, of course, with the Heyman promo. Anything involving Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella. Uh, Ambrose versus Cesaro. Uh, this is definitely a match of the week for me. Even though it ended in a DQ, uh, Cesaro and Ambrose have a really good, aggressive kind of chemistry. And Cesaro worked on uh, uh, Ambrose's arm and just, did, and just did a great job all through the match. And it was a really, really good match. Uh, Miz versus Ziggler, uh, a non-title match. Uh, even though Miz was just fucking calling out moves left, right, and center all over all over the match, it's still a good match because the fans are going ballistic for the finish. I mean, it wasn't my favorite match, but check it out. It's worth checking out. Now, remember, guys, we are live, so that means you can interact with the show at any time. 
by calling 760-888-5749 or tweeting me directly at Wrestling R Break, capital W, capital R, capital B, and I will read and discuss your tweets live over the PWP Airways. Okay, so let's move into main event. This is the main event quickie. Uh, we're just going to run through these results because really it's main event. Sometimes they have good matches, sometimes it's pointless. This week, yeah, it was okay. I mean, there's nothing really to talk of. It just felt like a superstar show. Uh, Rollins defeated Fandango. Just a complete random heel versus heel match to put over Rollins. Yeah, I, if you're going to choose a geek, why don't you choose uh, Zack Ryder, an actual baby face? Very weird. Uh, Ryback uh, defeated Jay Uso, so it looks like the Rybacks will, once again, uh, is challenging for the Tag Team Championships. This was written, obviously, before I watched SmackDown this week. Uh, just weird, weird, weird mid-card booking uh, this week for WWE. Um, once, once we get to SmackDown, I'll have a good rant about it, but uh, yeah, this is the start of just some weird booking decisions uh, following Raw. Biggie and Kofi Kingston defeated Titus O'Neil and Heath Slater. Now, this is very, very interesting. Uh, stemming off the Xavier Woods appearance from Raw on Monday, uh, it looks like that. It looks like uh, Xavier Woods is going to be starting a heel faction with Kofi Kingston and Biggie Langston. So this whole Nation of Domination uh, uh, tagline's been thrown around the internet all week. Uh, I just, I'm interested. I mean, I'm curious. I was very impressed with uh, Xavier Woods, very articulate. His promo was just very straight and, and, and well done. He looks good in a suit. I'm interested to see where this goes. Kofi Kingston is a heel. I'm all for that. And for a tag team, you know, you've got the quickness in, uh, in uh, Kofi and you've got the power in Big E. I'm, I'm all for this. This looks interesting. Then, of course, then we had the, the, uh, the main event was meant to be uh, Sheamus versus uh, Rusev. And then they changed it to Swagger versus uh, Rusev, in which Swagger defeated Rusev via, via DQ. The streak is over. He lost his first match. But, of course, in WWE World, they don't count that. It needs to be a pinfall for him still to be uh, undefeated. Ridiculous. Why did they put this match on main event? They did such a good job building it up, and it's just completely a head-scratcher kind of situation here. But uh, in, any, in any event, Swagger defeated Rusev via DQ. Uh, is this going to lead to a SummerSlam match? It doesn't feel like it, does it? But anyway, that was main event. Very quickly, don't... Not, not, nothing really to see here. You've got the reviews here. Wrestling's week that was. That's enough. No need to see it. Um, let's move to NXT. The NXT Weekly Awards. Now, firstly, the show was a completely wrestling-centric show. You know, sometimes, you know, they've got the angles that they shoot at the start of the show, but the main event's always, you know, a solid 15-minute match. This week, it was just a, a, an even balance of just solid 5- to 10-minute matches, which, which was, I can't complain about. For an hour show... You know, with really great characters in NXT, I can't ask for any more than that. So, uh, NXT's MVP of the week, the uh, wrestling's week that was, is Tyler Breeze. I mean, there wasn't really an a MVP this week, but if I had to go with anyone, I'd go with Tyler Breeze. He uh, had a very, he had a five-second squash a match with Mojo Riley who I thought was uh, on WWE's good books, but apparently he's not, because he, he stepped in the ring. They were trying to put over the fact that uh, Tyler Breeze had injured his hand. He tried to sell his injury, and then within a second he hit his kick, uh, and one, two, three, Tyler Breeze beats Mojo Riley. So I'm all for that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Tyler Breeze is moving into the NXT Championship match, I'm imagining, in the next two or three weeks. So this builds nicely to it. He deserves to have a squash match here. On the other side, the NXT, uh, NXT's weekly downside of the week goes to Mojo Rawley. I mean, what a... Oh, he completely was geeked out here. Um, I just looked at... He looked rubbish. He, he looked like an absolute idiot. Um, I guess maybe this is leading to a heel turn from Mojo Rawley. Maybe we'll see... A, like, if you, ink, if you uh, uh, transfer his intensity into a heel persona, you might have something there. Uh, just nothing is happening for him as a babyface. And he gets uh, NXT's weekly downside of the week. Uh, NXT's up-and-comer of the week is Kalisto. Now, I never thought I'd say this, but Sin Cara being teamed up with Kalisto might be actually best for business. I, I, I really like this combination. Uh, a few people were pissed off with the fact that the board villains lost to Kalisto and, and Sin Cara. 
to that I say, listen, the Vaudevillains are a comedy act. If any if any one team can lose as many times as they want to, it's the Vaudevillains. They're just a comedy comedy act. And, you know, I, I would say rush them up to the main event roster. You know, I, I'd rather have uh, a Void Villains than uh, Adam Rose doing comedy on, on the show. At least it's, you know, it's, it's, it's playing off the history of pro wrestling and, and making a pretty good uh, comedy act from it. But back to Kalisto, um, you know, this might be a Samurai Del Sol's uh, ticket into the main event roster. Uh, I think this could be a really good solid tag team if they find some good uh, chemistry. They had some really good uh, lucha moves in there that was very very well sold by Aiden English and Simon Gotch. And uh, yeah, it's a solid good match. Here's uh, hoping this is, uh, as I said, this is hopefully this is a Callisto's ticket into the main event roster. So what's worth watching? I mean, really, all the stuff I talked about, you could you don't really need to see. If there's only one thing to see this week on NXT, it was Charlotte versus Summer for the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Uh, this, is, this is a match of the week. Uh, again, these, these two ladies just really gelled very nicely uh, and had a really solid match. Uh, I, I could do without Summer Rae's uh, grunting and groaning throughout the match. It, was, it reminded me of a, you know, a women's tennis match a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all in all, it was just a really good match. Uh, I think this whole BFF storyline is done with. Uh, so hopefully Charlotte moves on to bigger and better competition. Yeah, I was very impressed with this match. Really good work by the uh, the Divas of NXT. Now let's move to SmackDown. The good and the bad of SmackDown. What was the good? What was the bad? Let's get into it right here. Um, so first of all, the SmackDown this week, it was a worthwhile show with regards to uh, mid-card issues, which I thought they extended nicely. Uh, that being the Miz and Ziggler situation, the Ambrose and Rollins situation, which they didn't really touch upon that that much on Raw, they did it uh, in a physical manner here on SmackDown, but really, if, you, if, if you're more interested in your main eventers, like your Randy Orton's and your Roman Reigns, they really didn't do anything here, except uh, put Roman Reigns in a pretty solid match, but we'll get into that in a sec. So the good of SmackDown, what did I like about SmackDown? I have a guilty pleasure, and it's the Miz's Hollywood moneymaker gimmick right now. Uh, I, I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it. Like on SmackDown, if you haven't seen it, like before he came to the ring for his Miz TV thing, he, there was a there was a kid just trying to like just trying to get an autograph of a referee or show his autograph book to a referee or a backstage guy, and he, Miz just came up and scruffed his hair and took the took the uh, magazine out of his hand and just signed it. Oh, I just loved it. It was so good. Then they did Miz TV. <laughs> they had Mrs. They had Mrs. Family in the front row, and they did this. Oh my God, Mrs. Dad! For anyone who hasn't seen it, go go Google Mrs. Dad on it and it, just check him out. He's an absolute just buffoon-looking guy, and I love it. They they've just got something really good with the Miz. I think the whole idea of the money maker, it, 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 the 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 got his entrance now down pat with the whole quiet on the set thing. I think that could be a good catchphrase going on. He's a guy that gets a really good heat reaction. I imagine when he comes here to Australia on April 8th, sorry, April 8th, August 8th, he's going to get a nuclear hero reaction. He's just so easy to hate. And uh, for for his gimmick, his chicken shit heel gimmick, it worked awesomely. Loved it, loved it. Um, moving on, Cesaro versus Ambrose. They uh, finally got a, a, a winner out of their situation on Raw, and they did a no-DQ match, maybe uh, foreshadowing the... Uh, Seth Rollins uh, Dean Ambrose match for SummerSlam being near DQ. We will soon see. This was just an uh, I say it's like a, an upgrade on what we saw in Raw, uh, and it was great to see Cesaro's brawling side kind of come to the forefront in this one. We, we, we know that Ambrose can brawl, but it was really good to see a vicious side out of uh, uh, Cesaro here. Even though you know I just I don't really particularly like this the, the current direction of Cesaro. Uh, but I will save that for my upcoming ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com uh, article that will be coming out next week. And of course, then they finished up this uh, this whole match with Seth Rollins getting involved. And I love the fact that he, that as Seth Rollins is beating the shit out of uh, Ambrose post match. By the way, Cesaro, uh, sorry, Ambrose picked up the win as expected. You know, Cesaro is not going anywhere at the moment. Um, I just loved. Rollins grabbing Ambrose by the hair and screaming, when are you going to stay down? Uh, just, this whole resilient babyface angle on, on Ambrose is 
is working so nicely. Like about two months ago, would you have ever expected Dean Ambrose to be as hot as he is as a baby face? Like, if anything, everyone expected uh, Ambrose to be lost in the shuffle. And here, God Almighty, was he not lost in the shuffle? He's been, he's just been, the, he's been at the forefront of the show. So it's very great to see. The bad of SmackDown. What was the bad of SmackDown? And now uh, they had, first of all, they had Usos versus Rybaxel. And Usos beat Rybaxel. Okay, whatever. But to, to beat Rybaxel, they did this twin magic thing where they swapped because they swapped because it looked so similar. Uh, and they picked the win because of the distraction. Uh, like, that is, first of all, that is such an old school heel gimmick. And I think the Usos are much better than that to use that to uh, create themselves as characters. I personally think they've done a great job uh, doing it anyway, uh, just through their own energy and their promos. Um, they don't need this kind of gimmick stuff. Uh, you, you know, like save that for a up and coming heel team, like a Titus and Neil Heath Slater thing. Or like, sorry, what am I saying? They're not even twins, but you know what I mean. Save those cheap gimmicks for another team. The Usos, as a long-running tag team championship team, they don't need it. They've got enough personality and charisma that they, they can get away with it, you know? Um, first of all, and then later on, like, just the other thing I hated about this show is that the burial of all these contenders for these championships uh, and, 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 and for future championship matches. Like, like Naomi got beaten in, like, a second when Paige... Uh, when Naomi was distracted by Cameron coming to the ring, Paige beat her in like two seconds with one move. Uh, Rybaxel like just lost, even though it was a hard hard fought match. I thought they were building towards a tag title match. Like the commentators were drilling it all the way through the match, but then they lost just like any other team. And then Ziggler, like I get the whole idea that Miz distracted him, but like right now Miz and Ziggler are just exchanging wins and losses, all for the Intercontinental Championship. Now. What's the point of all that? So is what? Ziggler wins the championship in the end, but like on the way to winning the championship, he's lost nearly every single match that he's won. Like, the same amount of matches that he's won. Doesn't make sense, you know? Like, these are, little, these are the little things uh, that kind of affect uh, an overall championship reign once someone gets it. So just something to consider coming out of SmackDown. There was just way too many just losses. Um, by the way, Ziggler lost to Bo Dallas. And he's wrestling for the Intercontinental Championship somewhere down the line. You know, anyway, whatever. Um, what's worth watching? Uh, the Cesaro vs. Ambrose match, no DQ, awesome match from, the, from this week. Uh, there was also an AJ uh, Lee page hype video that just did a great job summarizing the whole story since WrestleMania. There we are, guys. It's the buzzword of the week. Slow, bur slow burn pro wrestling programs. You know, the AJ Lee uh, page situation has been brewing since WrestleMania. The, uh, the Stephanie McMahon, uh, Brie Bella situation has been brewing since, pa uh, since uh, Daniel Bryan got injured. Um, you know, the, so many different storylines. You know, the, uh, the, the Ambrose Rollins thing has been brewing for, since, for, for about two months. These storylines are all coming to a head, and I guarantee it's going to make for a great pay-per-view. Anyway, um, again... Roman Reigns versus, De uh, versus Alberto Doria in the main event. This is one of the best uh, Roman Reigns one-on-one -on -one matches that I've seen since Roman Reigns broke away from the Shield. It was just a really good match. The key to the match was selling. It was like uh, Del Rio just put uh, Roman Reigns in so many situations that forced him to work on his selling. And you know what? I'll give the man his props. He did a great job. Really... Uh, Guardy way to see it. It's worth watching. It's a good match, good solid wrestling match. Uh, again, it's uh, it, there was a little bit too much offense given to uh, Del Rio, uh, but still solid match. Really good job by Roman Reigns. He needs more matches like this on a regular basis. So if I was uh, WWE, I'd be putting him on SmackDown every week and putting him in good long matches on television to improve his overall uh, presence. Okay, so let's just move to uh, TNA. This week was it was uh, TNA good or was uh, it TNA awful? TNA awful? TNA awful? Ha ha! I'm so funny. Anyway, um, let's just get into the the the, the, the good. I mean, like 
The Austin Aries cash-in segment where he took the X Division Championship and cashed it in for a World Heavyweight Championship uh, uh, match next week was great. Oh, Austin Aries really came to the uh, really came uh, with all with all the skill in his bag for this se- for this segment. He just really came off as a legit main eventer. Was just so confident in everything he said. He, he stood toe to toe with Lashley, even though like Austin Aries is a five foot something guy. He came off like a legit badass in this whole situation. Um, I love I love MVP being Lashley's mouthpiece. It's like a Paul Heyman Brock Lesnar kind of dichotomy going on here. MVP is just so fluent on the mic, and he just did a great job putting over Lashley in the in the match that's going to be coming up. I, I'm, I would love it if someone actually uh, decided not to cash in for the World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, it, like it's a cool little Money in the Bank gimmick that TNA's got, but like. It'd be good for one of these guys to step up and say, "No, no, no! The TNA, the, the X division is is. I'm not leaving the X division in a good state. I want to make the X division better. Blah blah blah, and then making a big main event storyline out of that or something. Uh, but in the meantime, it was a good segment, good way to build to a world heavyweight championship match down the road. Uh, but the the main event angle for the show that finished off, uh, that finished, that, that climaxed the show. Uh, involved uh, involved uh, Dixie's Car- Dixie Carter's uh, heel faction getting three new members in the form of Snitsky, Ezekiel Jackson, and King and MMA's King Mo. Now it just feels like TNA takes uh, two steps forward, uh, you know, one step forward and three steps back sometimes. Dixie Carter's Heels Faction Group did not need all these new members debuting in the same show. Let alone, they shouldn't even debut in the first place. It's bloody Snitsky, it's bloody uh, King Mo, and it's bloody Zeke, Big Zeke. Like, these people, they were never big stars in WWE to begin with. They're slightly recognisable. It's like bringing like you know uh, Mike Knox into the show and, and trying to put him over as a big deal. Like they, like they, like they try to do with the Aces and Eights. This just made it was just like oh my god! It was a, a, a six-man bloody street fight match. Uh, all this interference. It just felt like a bloody. It felt like a WCW 2000 show. Just a, a, a crash TV kind of segment. You know, and at the same time, like they 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 reintroduced uh, Loki and Loki on this show, and they reintroduced Devon last week. Uh, like it just completely overshadows all these new guys coming back. Like, wouldn't you space out all? If you want to have, a, if you want to have these debuts, wouldn't you want to space out these debuts so that these uh, these uh, new guys can get a bit of breathing space and reconnect with the fans? Like, all these new people coming back, like, it's just too much for the fans. And 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 and, and like like they were in New York, so they had a bit of a vocal crowd and the fans booed, but it was just such an overbooked mess. You know, like I just didn't like it, and and for that reason, uh. This show was TNA awful. A lot of other stuff happened on the show, but really, the overall theme for the show, everything felt rushed, like we're rushing into the Wolves versus the Hardys next week. Like, that is something that I think that should be put on a pay-per-view. Like, sure, the major audiences are on um, television, but that is a match that everyone wants to see. Let's take the time to book and plan and build to that match being on pay-per-view. Let's reignite the pay-per-view audience again with that one match and like you know, make it a big deal. That's one of the last few matches that fans want to see. And again, like another World Heavyweight Championship match uh, next week with Aries and Lashley. Let's take the time to build towards that. It, like you know, we just had a World Heavyweight Championship match last week. Now we've got another one next week. It's like. I don't think they should be having so many world championship matches. That's just, that's just my point. And then we had the final segment. So, TNA awful, ladies and gentlemen. TNA awful. So, of course, what's the match of the week? We've finished all the shows. Uh, third on my list, third match of the week, was uh, Cesaro vs. Ambrose from Monday Night Raw. Even though it had a DQ, it played into the character of Dean Ambrose. Didn't say that before. Dean Ambrose is a wild man. He doesn't care. He wants to beat the shit out of people and survive. Cesaro was out there to destroy to destroy the man's livelihood. You know, I I like DQ finishes. That makes sense. And that DQ finish, it made sense. Second match, you know, I, I, this is the first time in uh, Wrestling's Week that was history that we've had two of the same matches in the match of the week. 
Cesaro vs. Ambrose, the no DQ match from SmackDown, is uh, match number two of the week. Really great physical battle that did a lot for both characters and showed different sides of Cesaro, so it's always good. And the fir- the match of the week, hands down, was the Wyatts vs. Usos. Two out of three falls from Battleground. Go out of your way to see that one, ladies and gentlemen. That was a great, great tag team match. And uh, really great to see that match within a, a very hyped up live atmosphere like, uh, I think it was, was it Richmond, Virginia? Uh, I'm sure someone will correct me on, on Twitter. Um, okay, so what was the podcast of the week? Now, last, last, uh, last fortnight, we uh, had uh, the Ross Report. Uh, and it seems like this is the, the, the going trend every week. If you don't want, if you're not listening to the Ross Report on podcast one, and you're a true diehard wrestling fan, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you don't have time to watch, listen to the whole hour and a half show, it's a long show. I'll grant you that. But check out just what's on Jr's mind. Just the first part of the show, he gets into some really deep things about the current product and what's happening and where they're going. Everything he, this man says just, just, just screams just like legitimacy, understanding of the product, and, and, you, and you wonder why WWE had to end this man's contract. Just crazy. Um, the first thing he said was just like, you know, right now WWE is over, overexposing its main event talent. A problem that the company's faced really since they started SmackDown in 1999. Um, and he really just said like, you know, now, now that the territory system is dead, there's no freedom of bringing in new guys to give the uh, the current guys a bit of a break off television. You know, there's no, what, no there's no different people that they can slot into that position just for a short period of time. You know what I mean? To kind of uh, give the other like Ortons and Cena's a bit of a break on television. And he said that you know, no territory system has has impacted the wrestling business and continued to. Uh, and continue to, you know, they, like they can't learn talent like the old days, and that's that's a, that's a big big shame. Um, moving on, like you know, he, he talked about the the pumping up the secondary championships. Hallelujah! That, that's what we've been talking about for years. Unifying the the United States Intercontinental Championships, making the, those titles something that's worth want, like, worth having. Um, and he says, and I quote: "Cold titles bring uh, bring talent down." All it means right now is that you lose you lose a lot of non-title matches if you're like the Intercontinental Champion or the US Champion. Amen. Like it shouldn't be that way. It's like the the Intercontinental Championship, as everyone said all over the years, was a stepping stone championship. You know, you won that title. You're the second guy. You're the next guy that's going to take the step up. You know, and and that and I think that mentality held true up to up until like ninety nine two thousand. You know that was the you know the stepping stone championship. Uh, you know if you like a guy, and this is quoting Jr. again, you don't want him to be the champion of nothing. And right now those titles are exactly that; they're just nothing. They're just a prop. You know, if you like a guy, you don't want him just to be associated with something that sucks, which destroys the whole point of this championship situation to begin with. So you know, and that's just, I, What's on my mind? Definitely worth checking out if you only have time to watch, listen to like part of the Ross Report. Uh, the, the, he interviewed AJ Styles this week, the phenomenal AJ Styles, currently the, uh, N, uh, the New Japan World Heavyweight Champion. Very quickly, guys, the G1, uh, G1 Climax shows uh, uh, finishing up in uh, Japan as we speak. Uh, I, if you have Ustream, uh, I think it's only ten dollars. You can get, oh no, it's a hundred and something, uh, hundred and thirty-two dollars, and you can get access to all the shows. Apparently, I've been hearing that those shows are so incredible. If you're looking for in-ring talent, in-ring matches, go check out the G1 Climax that is happening on UStream as we speak. Um, the one thing I got out of this interview is that you, you know uh, it sounds like AJ is really kind of learning and maturing in the ring when it comes to, to in-ring psychology. Because he was just saying, like, you know, selling is everything. And it's not always about the high spots. And uh, that's very, very true. You know, I think AJ was a high spot man when he started. He said, uh, on, he went on record and said, I think that's the reason why I was pushed very, very fast and put on t- TV when I was not ready to. Um, very true. I, I think, uh, you know, like, there was no psychology behind his matches. It was only through his work with Samoa Joe and, Chris Daniels, and then Kurt Angle, they started learning some really good in-ring, uh, in-ring psychology. And of course, JR, through this whole interview, is kicking himself uh, for not hiring AJ 
as the head of talent relations of WWE. Back when uh, WCW was taken over in 2001, uh, definitely kicking himself. Uh, it was very funny to hear. And uh, AJ was very gracious and just saying, you know, no hard feelings, you know, I wish I came over, but, you know, I, it is what it is, and I'm happy where I am. It really, and that's what I got from the interview. It's really, you really feel like he's happy where he is. And, you know, that, that's great. That's really, really great for him, for AJ Styles. I'm very happy for him. Uh, another, thing, another point that he made that really kind of stuck with me is that, you know, he flat out said that he's doing this for the money. And I'm sure that a lot of fans out there would be pissed off about that. And, uh, but, like, he's doing it for the right reasons. He's got a family su- to support. He doesn't know how long he's going to be able to stay in that ring and do what he needs to do. You know, like, AJ Styles got, has got some pretty, st- uh, pretty stiff moveset. The 450s, you know, the Pele kicks, the, you know, the, the Styles Clash, and you know, all those moves that are high impact on the body. He can't be doing it for years. And at the end of the day, he's a businessman. And JR and uh, AJ Styles really went into this great conversation about, you know, your your body is a business, you know, you're like, and, and you're you're promoting a business. And you can only do it for so long. And that's the right frame of mind. It's funny because a lot of fans would be like, "Well, you sell that for money." It's like, well, at the end of the day, they're doing this for the family, and the the AJ Styles aura and persona is a business. So you know, I thought it was a really great way of uh, uh, framing that uh, uh, frame of mind. Uh, and, and the rest of the, the uh, podcasts of the week, Jericho, on, on Talkers Jericho, Jericho uh, did a family re- a Battleground review. If you didn't know that Jericho actually had his family uh, ringside at uh, Battleground this, this week, and uh, they uh, did a really cool little backstage uh, review show with uh, Jericho's dad and, and uh, Jericho's son, which was really, really lovely. You should check it out if you can. Uh, meanwhile, on Steve Austin Unleashed, uh, Steve Austin travelled to the Sevilla Nevada uh, brewery and uh, interviewed the owner. So if you are interested in your beers, Steve Austin's got you covered. And then on the Steve Austin family friendly, friendly show, uh, he interviewed uh, UFC Hall of Famer and WWE alumni Ken Shamrock. So a lot of different stories uh, thrown out there around the Attitude Era because those guys were in the thick of it back in 1998 and 1999. Okay, to wrap the show up this week, let's take our weekly visit to the vaults. Now, the match, the match that we're going to be reviewing is on, on YouTube as we speak. It's easy to find. Uh, it's the match between Eddie Guerrero and JBL for the WWE Championship back at Judgment Day 2004. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, what the hell? Why are you, why are you reviewing a JBL match? JBL sucked. He was slow. He was clumsy. He was nowhere, te- nowhere near being as technically sound as as uh, Eddie Guerrero was. And now the reason I chose this match is that you know it's not. I didn't choose it because it was a technical marvel of a match. I didn't choose it that it was a move because it was a move fest that Eddie Guerrero is doing all these flips and bumps. It, I chose it because it just demonstrates the power of telling an old school story. Now. The old school blood feud kind of idea. Now the backstory to this very quickly was that uh, JBL was uh, pushed. Was they were they were trying to push uh, JBL as uh, WWE's top heel on SmackDown following uh, WrestleMania 20, and uh, they were doing this whole anti-immigration uh, storyline involving JBL and JBL coming from New York City, and it was a huge transition because, of course, Bradshaw had been APA for his whole career, pretty much. Uh, well, not his whole career, but like since since the Attitude Era, he was always APA, and then they suddenly broke him away and threw him into the main event championship p- picture. And uh, they did. I think they pulled every trick in the book to try and make JBL one of the most hated people in the company. And uh, they did a really good job about it. Uh, and uh, of course, what was infamous from this feud was that uh, uh, JBL apparently, quote unquote, caused uh, Eddie's mother in El Paso, Texas, to have a heart attack, and uh, did it in front of the life crowd at a house show. And, of course, uh, he got nuclear heat and he had to be shipped out of El Paso in police guard, and it was hugely a hot angle. And that led into the uh, the, ma- the match that I'm talking about today. It was a brutal, stiff brawl that is forever remembered, for all intents and purposes, as the match where Eddie Guerrero got cut open via a vicious chair shot by JBL and bled everywhere. Now, this is another reason why I chose this match. 
You know, like, like I'm not I'm not big for blood, but if you ever want to choose a match that that benefited from blood, this was the match for for to benefit from blood. Like Eddie Guerrero, you have to see it to believe it. If anything, just go see the chair shot. He Demiel just decks Eddie Guerrero with his chair shot. And blood just goes everywhere. And it goes everywhere, not just for a short little period of time, from that moment on. And they had 10 more minutes of the match to wrestle in. Um, it's a brutal, stiff ball from start to finish. Yeah, it tells the story of these guys. You know, they, no, it's not a wrestling match. You don't start a, you don't start a, a wrestling match like this with, with a lock-up and a headlock takedown and a shoulder block and all that stuff. These guys went into fistfight city all the way, from the start to finish. All out to the ring, all out to the, you know, all out to the, uh, the uh, commentating ter- tables. They beat the shit out of each other all the way through this match. I, I'll tell you, this, the crowd was going apeshit for this whole match, and uh, going into it, there was no way in hell that I thought Eddie Guerrero and JBL was going to get this kind of reaction. And really, within the match, like Eddie Guerrero was a tremendous babyface, like, like. The, he, is, he single-handedly took JBL and made him a legit badass coming out of that match, and one of the be- and one of the biggest uh, SmackDown heels for the foreseeable future. And really, like look at look at him look at him today. If it wasn't for this WWE Championship ten-month reign that he had, and if it wasn't for the JBL uh, the Eddie Guerrero feud that he had, JBL would be nothing right now. And you know, to this day, he's still remembered as JBL. So that shows you that Eddie Guerrero uh, earned his uh, paycheck. At uh, Judgment Day 2004. Uh, so this match is incredible. I'm not going to go into the details. Go check it out on Facebook. It's an incredible match. Um, so yeah, that is the uh, Judgment Day 2004 match between Eddie Guerrero uh, versus JBL. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. As always, thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there in Wrestling Radio Land. Remember to catch my my Wrestling's Weekly Rope Break posts. Uh, currently up on uh, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Not only mine, but uh, check out Oliver Nordgroves. Right now, he uh, currently has an article up about Orton and about uh, his time being over on the main event roster. So that's a very controversial, interesting article to check out. Uh, Aaron Ramadoff, uh, he's currently, actually, within the last hour, has put up an article saying, uh, you know, discussing 10 ways to improve the current pro wrestling product. Um, you know, uh, Aaron Ramanoff, easily one of the most popular writers on uh, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Uh, and the stats don't lie. <laughs> um, currently, I've got... I had four articles within a week this week. There's so much content up there right now. As, uh, as I said, I've talked about the Ambrose vs. Rollins situation, and the power of this slow-burn pro wrestling program. Uh, I discussed uh, Kids' uh, arrival in WWE, upcoming arrival, and how uh, everyone should just have a little bit of faith in WWE doing the right thing. Uh, I did a very, very brief article just uh, stating why I will miss CM Punk if he chooses not to come back. And uh, I set up, set up part one of my new series called What Went Wrong. Uh, that's where I take a wrestler that uh, had all the promise, had all the tools, and currently is not where he should be in WWE. And we start off with Dolph Ziggler. That current article is up there right now. And uh, next week we'll be going to uh, Alberto Del Rio. So check that one out next week. If you want to reach me, of course, follow me on uh, at Wrestling uh, Wrestling's Rope Break. Uh, sorry, check that. <laughs> if you want to follow me, just follow me on uh, at Wrestling R Break, capital W, capital R, capital, capital B. And tell me what you think of this show or anything pro wrestling, for that matter of fact. Uh, remember, any feedback is good feedback. If you like the show, great. If you don't, Tell me why, and we'll work on it. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you all on the next Wrestling's Week That Was. Good night, everybody.